Well, good morning, good evening, uh, good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. Today, I happen to be in Sedona, Arizona, not my normal place that I normally do these calls from. So I'm super excited to be somewhere different and still be able to connect with you. And today is a really cool day. It's January the 18th. And here in the US, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Um, we celebrate a man who has walked the talk. He absolutely was the embodiment of what I know to be the truth of who we are, which is a divine being having a human experience, teaching about love and helping people move out of hate and fear. He was a bringer of the light. And one of the things that I love about Martin Luther King Jr. is that he was a humble man and he knew that everything he was doing, any of us could do as well. And for that reason, today, I have um, John Hyatt as, as the guest uh, in this conversation, but he was here with me last week and it just became absolutely clear that we needed to continue our conversation. It was so juicy. So John, welcome again today and thank you for bringing your beautiful light, your love and your presence to this conversation today. Thank you for having me again, Lina. <clears throat> I look forward to our conversation. I had a lot of fun last time and uh, great energy, great points brought up to consider and uh, I learned a lot from it. So I'm looking forward to participating today. Thank you. Ditto, ditto. And you know, when when you and I completed our last call, you, you said to me um, that you wanted to have a conversation with me about how did I shift from following Bernie Sanders to, to placing my allegiance on the Trump team, which is a huge 180 shift politically. And what I said to you is let's have this conversation live because to me, it is just a, a, a simple representation of something that we all have to do in our regular life. And that is to make a 180 shift from living our lives from our small self to living our life from what you call our real self to move yep. into, into that, that truth of who we really are. And that is a process that, you know, as A Course in Miracles says, all want, but few will actually do the work that it is required to be able to shift our perception from one extreme to the other. Right. So let me just start with you. Um, let's, set, let's set the stage for this conversation that we'll unpack a little bit more, more in detail. What, what are some of the things that you know for sure we must do in order to, to, be, to be readied for a big shift in perception like that, a think, 180 shift? Sure, well, uh, the, first thing to, the first thing that anything like that requires is a level of self-awareness. And I define self-awareness as simply paying attention to the state of your own thoughts, your feelings, your words, and your actions, and be, being able to observe them um, from almost a third party unattached perspective, uh, because we're wired to be emoting on a constant basis, to be judging ourselves or others or other situations based on our worldview and our world experience or what other people taught us, what we, what we're supposed to feel about certain things. And that becomes a habit and a pattern. And until we check ourselves, until we're, we are able to call bullshit on ourselves, like we talked a little bit about last time, um, we're going to continue in the same pattern of thought. Now, 
there's nothing wrong with certain patterns of thought, but we get results from our patterns of, of thought. So if we ever hope to get different results, we have to become aware of how we're thinking, how we are influencing and creating conditions for what it is we're getting. Take, and then we have to take responsibility for it. See, that's the next thing. Yeah. We have to take 100% responsibility for our thoughts, our feelings, our words, our actions, and the results that we're getting. Yeah. And we got to st stop giving our power away. That's kind of in conjunction with taking responsibility. And then we have to figure out who are we and what are our own preferences. And as long as we're emoting, we're not able to get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really had a great opportunity uh, in my military career to be an instructor, a leadership instructor for the Army Staff Officer School, as well as um, the Command and General Staff College. And part of that process was teaching officers critical thinking. And uh, it was interesting to me because I had never thought critically before, you know, at least intentionally and deliberately until I, as an instructor, I had to learn the process myself and then teach it to my students. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how much pain and trouble could this whole concept of critical thinking have saved me over my life had I only been paying attention enough to start to apply the principles of critical thought? Because I was like anybody else. I'm used to emoting. But it wasn't until it dawned on me, like, no wonder I get the results that I'm getting. Self-awareness, being able to ask yourself that question and go, well, it's because I'm emoting half the time and I'm not thinking through my own stuff. Yep. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. You just laid out pretty much in in your own words almost the identical in my own words process that i went through to to be able to shift 180 degrees in just about every perception that i have about what reality is about including what reality is about and it wasn't until i became self-aware and but I, the the one thing that i would add and i know you're going to agree with this there had to be a level of curiosity first. I had yeah. to move, like you said, past my bullshit, trying to control the world with what I knew to be my truth mm -hmm. and move into the curiosity realm of, well, what else could be true? If, sure. if Lina only knows this to be true, what else could be true? And that was probably one of the most painful parts of my journey. And I began to realize that people who defend their position, defending being right, what I began to realize because I had to question, why do I need to be right? Why do I defend that? What I found on the other side, which is part of the self-awareness you're talking about, is I wasn't so much in this place of needing to defend being right. What I discovered that ran my life was the fear of being wrong. Yes. I was so afraid of being wrong and losing my identity, losing what people thought of me. That drove me. And then I began to ask myself, you know, the, the taking the responsibility, who am I here? I realized that I was defending Lina's identity as a human. I had no freaking idea that I was a divine being, that I could have a higher perspective that I, like Jesus said, I and the father, mother, God are one. I didn't really know my relationship with the creative source because, you know, I grew up Catholic 
and, and it was always outside of me. And I was such a sinner, I was never going to achieve the connection with it. Even though I was told over and over and over and over again to be like Jesus. Well, heck, what if I try to be like Jesus? If I'm a sinner, I'm never going to get there. So I'll, I'll never achieve this connection with God. And it wasn't until I did exactly what you were saying. I began to question what I thought was true about me. And I began to, to ask that, that question that all of us who go into uh, a journey of, of self-awareness and, and awakening is who am I and why am I here? Right. And that is when I began to say, well, if I am divine, what is the thinking? And to your point, what is the critical thinking necessary to activate my awareness from the place of presence of my divine self. I wanted to be aware of the world from my divinity, not just from my humanity, which hadn't gotten me too far up until that point. Right. <laughs> so what you're saying, all of it, you know, all of it is 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 in perfect alignment. But that that self-awareness piece, which is why I call myself an awareness coach. I, I you can't shift without awareness. Right. of why you are where you are, because how can you then move out of where you are if you're not aware that there's an even another place to go to? And, exactly. Yeah. And I think a key to that journey is when we get to the point where we're willing to say, hmm, isn't it interesting? See, no judgment. Isn't it interesting that I claim to believe X about Y? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Why do I believe X about Y? How did I arrive at believing X about Y? Is, are my beliefs accurate, consistent, broad, deep, open, fair, critical? By what, va what values do I use to measure my beliefs? Are my beliefs, here's the biggest thing for me, are my beliefs consistent? In other words, have I taken certain values about my beliefs? Have I identified those values? And then am I capable of applying them consistently, regardless of who or what? Can I take my value and apply it consistently across multiple different domains? Or do I allow for one thing and make it okay on one thing in one instance, but then I you know, um, condemn and denounce it uh, on the other. And the question of what I see, <laughs> consistently see, is an inconsistent application of yeah. values, um, especially political values. What's good for the Republicans is bad for the Democrats. What's good yeah. for the Democrats what's, is bad for the Republicans because it only matters which party is in power and mm -hmm. then whatever that party is doing while they're in power is okay. And then when the other party is in power, it's not okay. Yeah. And boom, there you have it, inconsistency. Yeah. And then I can make anything up. I can excuse things uh, on one hand, but hold people accountable on the other. I can, yeah, but on one thing, uh, anger is okay and, and violence is okay in this instance. But in this instance, it's not. See, so I have a completely inconsistent approach.
Because yeah. I'm not clear. I lack clarity. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That that is just so so accurate in in my own journey, but in that of all of the you know the people that I've worked with, until we come to the place that we make the decision for that consistency, we cannot actually make the shift that is necessary to to claim the 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 depths of where self-awareness wants to take us because you know the, the course in miracles and i refer to it now all the time because it has become my my main teaching that i've been guided to share because it's the one that i'm learning the most and there is so much more to go still so i'm sure i'll be teaching for a long time because i i learn as i teach but the course in miracles says that honesty can best be described as consistency and if yeah. we are not being being consistent we are being dishonest right. and that is goes back to having the curiosity to get curious like you were saying to be curious about our own bullshit. and right. like you know i wrote an article i don't know how long ago maybe eight ten years ago called because it's i write from where i am in the moment and right. the, the title of the article was double standards are a doorway when i began to look at my double standards why did and i started in a very simple way why did i apply a rule to one of my children and not to another mm -hmm. and when i began to question that actually it was my daughter who activated the questioning she is eight years older than my my youngest child i have three ones in the middle but my my daughter was questioning why would i allow my youngest child to get away with things she couldn't get away with right and she said mom you have a double standard in parenting mm -hmm. and it was a big aha moment for me yeah. because i realized i do and my double standard is yes robert this man is a genius thank you for sharing that with us um we got a fan of of john's in the house thank you so when I began to question why why was I applying that double standard between my children, I was able to become self-aware of the shift that has happened had happened in me. With my daughter, I was a a very um, unconscious parent. With my son, I began to become a more conscious, more self-aware parent. And what I was teaching my son was to live from his inner knowing so he would start making choices for himself. With my daughter, I was teaching her, I was her all-knowing mother and she had to make her decisions based on what I decided for her. So right. my, my daughter did not like that I thought for her and was giving my son permission to think for himself. So I just did what you know, all conscious parents would do is I apologized to her and I said to her, well, you will inherit more because you're going to need more for therapy than he will. So now, now we're even. Right. <laughs> and we all chuckled at that. And, and, but it was such a big lesson because that double standard, yeah. we cannot see how many double standards we operate from. And until we see the double standards in ourselves, we cannot see the double standards in the world. And that keeps That's us trapped in a loop of yeah. never getting out of the same problems because they were created with the same mind, you know, that that thinks in double standard. And yeah. that is an a non-aware mind. It is you cannot Absolutely. be self-aware when you're operating that way.
Absolutely. When we are, when we have a double standard or we're inconsistent, we are out of alignment. Yeah. Okay. And if we're out of alignment, and for me, alignment is thoughts, words, feelings, and actions. When I'm aligned with my, when my thoughts are aligned with my feelings and my feelings are aligned with my actions and my actions are aligned with my words, then I'm consistent. I'm more or less straight now. Now, nobody's perfect. We're all human. We're all always going to have, you know, some deviating, you know, aspect of that. But the more I try to be consistent and the more I make being consistent important to me, the more clarity I have, the more integrity I have, the more authenticity I have, the more credibility I have, um, the more honest I can be, the more level I can be the better I'm going to sleep at night. When we're inconsistent is when we're thinking one thing, feeling another, saying another thing, and doing something completely different. And when yeah. we're all over the place like that, we're not sleeping good at night. Our relationships are not uh, consistent and authentic and full of love um, because we're treating people differently. We're, we're, not, we're inconsistent inside here. So consistency and alignment uh, go together. If I'm inconsistent, I'm not aligned. And if I'm not aligned, I'm going to reap the results of being out of alignment. Yeah. And that is such a such a powerful statement. And for me, it's 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 how I measure my alignment. And this whole, like I said before in our previous call, Align with Lina is all about bringing examples of, of different people who just like me, just like you, um, just like every other guest that I've had here, has found their alignment with their, their true essence, their, their real self, their higher self, whatever you want to call it. Gosh, you know, we got so many different names for, for authenticity. Um, but for me, like you, that, that consistency was only possible when I got really clear about my values. And I go back to A Course in Miracles because A Course in Miracles is what helped me really understand the importance of, in essence, bring a, a discernment to what was valuable and what is valueless. And when yes. I began to value that peace that I feel inside, that inner consistency that inner knowing that that centeredness that allowed me to be gentle and defenseless until i aligned with that inside of me i could not really truly uh, acknowledge that what now has infinite value to me more value than anything is the feeling of alignment with god that i have and the peace that comes from that because in that space i bring forth the love that I'm that I'm made of. I couldn't give that love before to my daughter because I was conditional in her meeting my expectations. I was able to bring that love to my son um, because I was not making it conditional. He could be whatever he wanted to be where my daughter had to be how I wanted her to be for me to look good. Sure. And when I realized that the love, you know, true love is freedom. When I allowed my child, my son, to be free to be himself, that's when I realized that I had my daughter, you know, under conditional love 
And when I realized that I value the love that I was feeling that sets all beings free, it only came when I felt peace in my heart, back to something you said earlier, there can be no judgment of anybody else because I don't know anybody else's path. There can be no shaming others, no belittling others, because that pulls me out of oneness and into duality and into superiorness. And, sure. and I know better than you know. Well, I can't know better than you know because I don't know what you know. So right. how can it be better? Exactly. So that 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 alignment is so key. Back to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, today being Martin Luther King Day, what better example do we have than with somebody who demonstrated alignment with peace and with nonviolent uh, process and with approaching problem solving from a place of where do we agree and what do we want rather than this um, uh, dysfunctional and psychotic focus on what we don't want. Um, uh, it just increases the, the dysfunction, whereas Dr. King's success, I think, in my opinion, I'm certainly not an expert. I probably know an average amount about Dr. King. Um, but what I do know and what impresses, is, impresses me about him being an available leader was because he was clear in what he wanted. Yeah. And he focused on what he wanted, not what he didn't want. Okay. Wow. And that's what made him such a powerful figure. Him bringing people together because they could knew on, they could first count on a peaceful space yeah. where ideas and change and conversation could occur in the absence of violence and in the absence of uh, severe judgment and criticism and demonizing. You know, he didn't demonize his opponents. He knew what direction he wanted to go, and he took those who opposed him into the direction that he wanted to go rather than in a confrontational way. Talk about consistency. Absolutely. Talk about consistency and, and uh, an awareness of his value. And yes. throughout his messages, and like you, I am not an expert um, on on him and his teachings, but I definitely am a fan because I so much of what I have found in his quotes um, and in some of the speeches that I have heard is consistent with my truth. Yes. And you know, I, I want to go ahead and hear begin to talk about how I made that shift, that 180 degree shift politically, because it's, um, it, it's such a, it serves as a perfect example, especially today on Martin Luther King Jr.'s day that we celebrate this, this man's, not only his accomplishments, but the presence and the light that he brought to this planet. So to spend one day acknowledging his magnificence is um, obviously not nearly enough, However, it is, it is the perfect time for me to share how I shifted. You know, we talked last week uh, briefly about some of the books that for me have been powerful in helping me become really clear about my, my trajectory on this journey. And one of them is Power Versus Force, which is by Dr. David Hawkins. And it, it outlines the, 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 what he calls the map of consciousness. And I've pulled it right here because I wanted to show 
you know, this, let me see, where's the camera here? So there is a list that moves us from the lower states of fear and mm -hmm. lifts us, what I like to say, shifts us into the higher states of consciousness. This is a journey that we all have to walk. Sure. We need to move out of, like in grades in school, the immature, reactive, like you were saying, emoting stages where we are reacting emotionally, not using critical thinking. As you, you know, you had you were called into teaching critical thinking. And as you were teaching it, you realize how little of it you have been using before. Same Absolutely. thing happened to me. While I have been on the spiritual journey, I have been invited into expanding my consciousness. To me, higher state of consciousness is just looking at things more from my divine nature versus my limited human perspective. And as I look at more from the oneness that we are, as, as opposed to from the separate Linus point of view, I'm expanding to seeing, to seeing the world with not only a lot more compassion, um, because now I'm taking more people's perspectives into consideration, becoming gentler and kinder, it, it has been a process of maturing. So yes. when I was very, and by the way, I've, I've always been an independent voter. I have voted for all four parties. I vote for the person that in the moment feels right to me. And I have made a lot of voting decisions emotionally. I, so I understand that emotional voting. Uh, very few times have I really voted because I did a lot of research. Probably I'm going to say three times in my life and I've been voting for 40 years. So what out of 10 you know, uh, elections, maybe a third of those, I spent a little time researching one, this one, have I, I spent a lot of time in that space of activating my critical thinking. So in using that scale, that map of consciousness, what I began to do was to assess, to use my critical thinking to assess who I was voting for. And in the 2016 election, one of you, oh, we've got somebody joining us from Liberia, West Africa. Thank you, uh, Idrissa, for joining us. So wonderful to have you here. Um, so when I, when I, in the 2016 election, I was committed uh, with uh, Bernie Sanders' platform because when I looked at the scale, uh, the map of consciousness, what Bernie was attempting to do to me was more of a higher consciousness in terms of we should all be treated equal. And that, that is absolutely I am consistent in one of my values is that we are all one. And, you know, doc, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of that. We, we are equal. We are all equal in the eyes of God. So equality was a priority. The second thing that I loved about Bernie is how he attracted younger people. And to me, the younger people are closer to the truth than those of us who, as we age, get more and more conditioned and stuck in our own perspectives. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he had this massive following of young people, I knew he was onto something that was more closer to our soul than to our head and more in the realm of, of inclusivity than, than excluding people. But then something happened when it was clear, this is where my critical thinking kicked in, in a big way. When it became clear that he was being 
basically um, shut out from the media showing his rallies and his events and <clears throat> the level of support that he had, I then began to pay attention to what is attempting to suppress this beautiful movement that is absolutely powerful. So mm -hmm. then my critical thinking took me to pay attention to the political party that he was affiliated with. So when I began to look at the Democratic Party, I began to, to notice that there was a lot of manipulation here. So what was supposed to be a democratic movement that mm -hmm. is supposed to be free in the land of the free was not so much so. It was right. very methodical and very, very deliberate. And I entered into questioning and, and really looking at why is this happening? And it became very clear to me when he did not receive the nomination and I was not a, a Hillary fan because I had seen too many things and studied too many things about what she stood for and you know, in, in much of her political career and even before her political career that was not in alignment, it was not consistent with what I felt was what I valued. So then my critical thinking shifted to the, the Democratic Party and it became clear to me and you don't have to do a whole lot of research in this. You can just go right to um, what the the person who was placed as the director of the, the DNC, Donna Brazil, after the, the you know, Bernie loses the, the nomination and then it becomes Hillary who's nominated and then Donald Trump wins. Donna Brazil stated that, yes, the DNC was colluding in making certain that Hillary was um, the person who was nominated. Mm -hmm. So when I come back into my inner self, I look on the map of, map of consciousness, where does lying, deceit, cheating fall on that scale? Sure. And when, when you look at it, I mean, it's pretty simple to see, those things fall in the lower realms of consciousness. They fall in the realms that attempt to control and to manipulate people because you're coming from a place of fear. And I realized, well, these people are really scared that they're attempting to control, you know, half of the voting uh, people attempting to, to control what we do by feeding us through lies and deception, a candidate was that was not elected. It was not the popular candidate. So that to me, was crucial that I looked at my values and one of my values is honesty. Mm -hmm. And again, honesty comes with consistency. So if we're not being honest about what's happening here, there is an inconsistency that then I began to pay attention to. Now, what happened for me then is I chose that I was not going to support a party that cheated its way into the nomination of Hillary. But at the time, Donald Trump's personality was not in alignment. Some of the things that he was saying and doing were not fully in alignment with me. So I couldn't vote for him either. So I went to the candidate that most reflected who Lina was in that moment. And it was Jill Stein from the Green Party. So sure. I voted for her because it was the best option in the moment that aligned with where I stood. So let me just stop there because I know I said a whole bunch. Um, and just see if you have any thoughts or comments or questions 
And then I'll continue to how I shifted then from that to Trump. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you sharing your thought process. And see, this is where what I like to do. I like to say, you know, oh, I, I believe this. Oh, tell me more about that. Tell me why you believe what you believe. Give me your criteria, your logic, your reasoning, your personal experience um, uh, about what you believe and how you arrive at your conclusions. Um, and I don't ever have to judge anybody in that process, but it is interesting to ask about, well, they applied this decision, this thinking to it or that thinking, and they arrived at this, and therefore they deduced that, and therefore they chose this. And, and so it's fascinating, um, you know, you sharing that, boom, the light for you, uh, the light went on for you when you saw that there was an inconsistency in the DNC about fairness and about allowing Sanders to be the full candidate that he had the capacity for being and seeing a big power play in the DNC. I, I know many Sanders fans who were, you know, similar feelings to you. Basically, he got robbed and it was a setup from the beginning. Uh, you know, Hillary was supposed to be coordinated, you know, coronated the queen and she wasn't supposed to lose and therefore they had to massage you know the support for sanders in such a set up way and and i get it see here's where i am with the political thing is this number one it's complex there are tons of issues that make up people's positions and how they arrive at it and how they settle and how they vote and there's 350, you know, 150 million people voted, 160 million people voted in the last election, and there are 160 million different perspectives about their policies and their positions and why they voted one way or voted the other. Um, so it was interesting to hear you share your light bulb event that goes, ah, see, I'm looking for this and I'm not seeing it. And I didn't see it. So now what does that mean for me? And yeah. when I look at politics, it can mean all sorts of things. Number one, I can have a I can have a certain position. I can have a certain opinion on a position that is completely different than my candidate of choice. Yeah, because I'm unless I'm a one issue voter. OK, um, and that's rare, I think, although some people are some people are one issue voter. If it's, you know, abortion, if it's LBGDQ, if it's the economy or defense, whatever it is. And look, everybody has a right to be a one issue voter if they want to. But most people are more complex than that and they weigh things differently. And I get it. If you didn't vote for Sanders, you probably weren't going to vote for Trump. So you either voted for Jill or you swallowed the pill and you voted for Hillary. Or for me as a Republican, I was like, oh, my God, is Trump really the best the GOP can offer? And then when I looked at all the GOP, can GOP candidates, I certainly wasn't happy with any of those guys either because they were all establishment. And to me, they had sold the GOP establishment down the road a decade ago. And so again, I had to swallow hard 
and vote for Trump because there were certainly <laughs> specific things about Trump I was not in alignment either. But here's the decision. Number one, am I going to vote? Do I want to participate in the process of voting? If the answer is no, who cares? If the answer is yes, then I have to make a choice. And then do I want to sleep good at night when I make my choice? You know, or do I want to be conflicted? So we're, everybody is going to give a pass on this and not give a pass on that. Um, you name it, I voted for Trump, I had to give Trump a pass. Now that doesn't mean I agree, and doesn't mean I condone, and it doesn't mean I support the issue that I'm giving a pass at. You know, people were making the accusation about Trump about his sexual stuff, okay? His, his, his uh, demeanor in that regard. And then I look over at Hillary and Bill Clinton and I go, well, what is their track record in the same area? <laughs> so I said, well, you know what? I'm going to believe all of Bill's accusers. I'm going to believe all of Trump's accusers. And I'm going to make the whole issue a wash. So I'm not voting or not voting for anybody because of the, you know, uh, sexual uh, uh, allegations. I'm, I'm voting or not voting based on other reasons. Because to me, they were both demonstrated failures in that area and i could neither give one a pat you know i couldn't give either a pass in that area so i made it a wash what did that do for me at least i was consistent at least i was taking the value and applying it consistently to both areas and i was assuming i'm just going to assume all the women are telling the truth okay and therefore boom and that goes right back to the double standards. I yeah. cannot participate in my life with double standards and feel my inner peace. I feel because working through that map of consciousness, and as you were saying, once you take out the emoting aspect of it and you move into the, the critical thinking aspect of it, the consistency becomes very, it, it's very peaceful the inconsistency yeah. then a lot, then has me feel out of resonance. Right. And once I shifted into everything became vibrational and not personal for me, that's yes. how I measure my, my, the way that I'm showing up in the world and what happens in, in my experiences vibrationally, not, not emotionally, not, not um, personally, I then began to pay attention to what was happening in, in the world of politics, because I knew, okay, I've got, I've got four years before we have to make another decision. Let me pay attention to what's happening. And what I, what I am certain about, and, and I'm sure you, you will agree with this, is that when, when, I, when I am judging, I am not being honest. To me, judgment comes from my immature self and it is always protecting my self-interest because it is it is covering up the fear of being wrong. So my judging you or judging somebody else is a self-protective egoic mechanism. Sure. So as I began to observe the judgments that were being hurdled upon Trump and how from the get-go, the attacks were relentless. And I thought, oh my goodness, well, why is this happening? I, I have enough self-awareness. And again, being a teacher for as long as I have, to me, those who judge are always covering something up mm -hmm. because you cannot be honest and consistent uh, right. 
if if you have something to hide that those those are opposite frequencies right so i began to pay attention to everything that he was being judged for and i decided because my you know what what i'm here to coach people through as are you is to question the beliefs that we have so that we can expand our perception mm -hmm. so if we are consistently judging this person as being this wicked vile evil racist blah 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 then i know that 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 judgment always comes from a projection of something that is not being acknowledged inside of us so we project it out right so thankfully my self-awareness gave me a lot of tools to be able to see what was happening with clarity for me and as i was paying attention to all of these judgments i began to do a lot of a lot of research using that critical thinking again he is being judged for this did he really say that well you know most of what he said they he was being judged for having said most of it he actually said but it was pulled out of context mm -hmm. and when when you pull three or four words or even a sentence out of a much broader speech we can do that for anybody sure. i've seen people do that to obama to clinton to the bushes to to reagan and i realized you can't judge by one one sentence you've got to look at the whole speech mm -hmm. so so what began to happen to me is i began to listen to everything he was saying. And I spent countless hours reading what uh, his executive orders and listening to what the actual full speech was mm -hmm. and educated myself on what was really going on. And I realized, yes, projection is always because there's something to hide. So everything that he was judged for, I realized I needed to pay attention to what is a, being attempted on the other side, what are they trying to hide? What is it that they, they don't want us to see? And sure. that's when I began to realize mm -hmm. that both the Democrats and the Republicans, the liberal and the conservative media were all pretty much doing the same thing. And that's yes. when I realized, oh my God, Trump is not a Republican. What, what the hell is he? And that's when I began to really get clear, he is the, the one. And, and I had to sit with this one because I had to sit where, where, just like me, is Trump coming from? And I realized that he was not going to fall for the old ways, just as I, when entered my self-awareness journey, didn't want to fall for my old conditioning. Sure. I, I didn't want to operate with the same thoughts that had created the dysfunction that I lived in. Right. I was bringing in I had to create an opening for something new. And what what Trump became for me was the example of the courage that I had to exhibit for myself to become curious about another way. He does not fit a mold. And when I look at the map of consciousness, everything that is below the line of, of unconsciousness, Oh, thank you so much, Elliot. Elliot is saying that he loves the clarity around judging and judging also hinders listening. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's judging as a block to listening. Um, you can't hear another person if you're busy talking about them or bashing them. So when I began to pay attention to his, to Trump's vision of what he was attempting to do, 
it became really clear to me that his what he was attempting to do was to undo what got us in the mess that we are in the first place. And then I remembered um, somebody that I used to follow and Marianne Williamson, who also entered the presidential race. And she came in and I, I was such a big supporter of hers, even though I knew she was never gonna win. I was supporting her message and her message was consistent at that time with one thing, Trump is not the problem. He's a symptom of a problem. Mm -hmm. We sure. have an oligarchy going on. We have a sure. system that is corrupt to the, to the core. Sure. We need to dismantle this, this system, this broken system. We need to break it down. And of course she was quickly shut up for that. Um, again, the DNC was making sure that only one voice got heard and it was not the voices of reason. Mm -hmm. So Trump became for me the, the one who was bringing to the surface what needs to be undone. And mm -hmm. for me, I never could have gotten to my level of self-awareness if I hadn't undone what wasn't working for me. Right. And that breaking down of, of that egoic, selfish, greedy mentality is what then led me to begin to, to put on my, my next level of, of critical thinking. And then I'll share with, with you uh, that in a second. That's when I really took that emotional scale and I began to apply it to every executive order that he did, to just about every single thing that he said. And I had a very clear, consistent um, uh, decision to make about what was matching the values of my higher there divine self, which I know is divine with everybody, sure. and moving away from what was satisfying the egoic aspect of ourselves. And sure. like you, I had to let go of where, where these men or these politicians were behaving poorly and they sure. did that at the lowest uh, frequency possible. And guess what? Just like me, we're all human. Just like me, I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I've, you know, I've had, um, a I've had an affair. I had, I've had bankruptcy. I've cheated on my taxes. I've done all those things. So I can't be judging. I can't be pointing at the speck in his eye because I had a fucking log in mine. So yeah. I had to look at that. And yeah. with that level of clarity, I began to pay attention to what each man's um, history, not only in their, their beliefs and how they showed up in the world, but when I began to see the, the total opposite, diametrical opposite direction of what they stood for, that's when I knew I've got to make sure that I stand for this man and not only stand for what he was doing, but to go public with it, which in my spiritual community, oh my gosh, boy, was that that was that a stepping into my courage for sure. But let me just stop there, give you a chance to to share. Sure. No, I mean the, the thing is, it's a it, it's a remarkable thing to experience that level change and to have your own aha moment. And you know, the thing is, is the political players and the media don't want us to have an aha moment. Bingo. And like you said, the most powerful thing that they do is not not report on things to us. It's what they don't report and what they don't share that allows them to shape an agenda. And this happens 
on the right and it happens on the left because it's embedded in the system. The system is all about power, manipulation, and votes. And that's it. Um, and <coughs> I'm not demonizing the process. It's a human process. <laughs> that's the contrast. It, there's nothing different between the Republicans and the Democrats today and the struggles for power of ancient Egypt or ancient Rome or Cain and Abel in the Garden of Eden. I mean, everything has been a struggle and it's all part of the contrast. But what you just but once you understand that and you go, oh, there's an agenda here and it's about raw political power. And whatever party has the majority also controls the rule of process, which means they can determine when the votes are taken. They can determine, you know, uh, what gets to the floor. They can determine what arguments to make. The House, any House can impeach any president for any reason they choose, so long as they have the majority. Okay? And then it goes to the Senate, and the Senate does what it wants to do, because it's in the whatever party there has the majority. So once you sit back and you go, oh, man, this is the circus. This is the circus. It's not about consistent application of values and principles or arguments and positions. It's about power. Uh, I get it. Well, I don't have to participate in the power.